Hi everyone, it's Stu here, your dulcet-toned podcast host. Are you tired of ads interrupting your favourite true crime podcast? British Murders, of course. I mean, who needs a 60-second detour when you're in the midst of an immensely well-told story? The irony of this being an ad isn't lost on me, but I wanted to let you know that you can listen to British Murders completely ad-free by signing up for a Patreon membership. For as little as £3 per month, you'll get early access to ad-free episodes as well as a heap of other benefits. I've got a fair few bonus episodes you can sink your teeth into and every Monday I drop a new episode of the British Murders Weekly Journal. If you enjoy exclusive giveaways, my Patreon has those too. Head to patreon.com slash British Murders and choose either my OBE or KBE slash DBE tier to rid yourself of those pesky adverts. Plus, you'll be helping support your favourite podcast so that I can offer you even more content going forward. I'd say that I'll shut up now, but you've got the rest of the episode to listen to. Back to you, Stu. Welcome to British Murders, a true crime podcast with a focus on British murder cases. My name's Stuart Blues, and I'm excited for you to join me on this journey of morbid discovery. I'm by no means an expert on the subjects of homicide and serial killers, however I have always had a sick fascination with them. Together we will learn about some of the lesser known British murderers, as well as glimpsing occasionally at some of the more notorious ones. The bite-sized presentation of this podcast is intentional, as we look to cover an overview of the respective timelines of each case succinctly. If I were to describe somebody as having an egocentric and antisocial personality marked by a lack of remorse for one's actions, an absence of empathy for others and often criminal tendencies, what might you think that person was? If I were to ask you what Patrick Bateman, Hannibal Lecter and Annie Wilkes all had in common, what would you say? You might say, Stu, Those are all fictional characters in popular psychological thriller novels. Firstly, I'd say that American Psycho was more of a satirical black comedy novel, but I'd take your point on board nonetheless. The word I'm alluding to here is psychopath. According to the NHS's website, psychopaths are considered to have a severe form of antisocial personality disorder, something which itself is characterised by impulsive, irresponsible and often criminal behaviour. Imagine the sort of kids running around council estates causing mayhem with ASBOs, like those times 500. ASBO, by the way, is an acronym for an antisocial behaviour order. This was a civil order introduced in the UK by former Prime Minister Tony Blair in 1998. They were designed to address behaviour like intimidation, drunkenness and violence by individuals and families using civil orders rather than criminal sanctions. ASBOs were in use until the introduction of the Antisocial Behaviour, Crime and Policing Act of 2014. Scotland is the only UK country still using ASBOs to this day. Now that's a nice little segue to the individual we'll be focusing on during this episode of British Murders. The man in question has not only been labelled as a psychopath by psychologists, 
but he has also been described as a man of no recognisable humanity. I'm going to take you on a journey north of the border. That's something English people say when they're referencing Scotland. As we learn about the life and crimes of Scottish serial killer Peter Tobin. Johnston is a town in Renfrewshire, Scotland. I'm probably saying that wrong, I do apologise to any Scots listening. For reference to anyone else, it's an area to the southwest of Glasgow. Celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay was born in Johnston, as was TV presenter Nick Knowles. However, their futures were worlds apart from one of Johnston's other famous inhabitants, Peter Tobin. Tobin grew up in a large family with seven siblings, four brothers and three sisters, but wasn't exactly what you'd call the perfect child. In 1953, at the young age of seven, Tobin was sent to an approved school as a result of his disruptive behaviour. An approved school is an institution formerly known as a reform school prior to 1933, where young people were sent by the courts due to either committing criminal offences or simply being deemed beyond parental control. This clearly didn't do much to dampen Tobin's appetite for antisocial behaviour or crime. In 1965, he served time in a Borstal, a type of youth detention centre in the UK. In August 1969, a 22-year-old Tobin married his girlfriend Margaret Mountney, who was a 17-year-old clerk and typist. Margaret met Tobin at the Barrowland Ballroom, also known as the Barrowlands, a dance hall in Glasgow. The marriage was, at first, a delight. Playing the part of a true romantic, Tobin would take Margaret for long drives along the banks of Loch Lomond, a freshwater lake, or loch as they call it, which is a popular leisure destination in Scotland. The relationship soon faltered when the couple moved to their flat in East Glasgow. Tobin slit the throat of his wife's puppy just to stop it yelping. Any complaints from Margaret would lead to her being beaten and raped at knife point. Margaret claimed that Tobin had raped her on multiple occasions, as well as kept her locked in their flat for hours on end. The violence culminated when Tobin raped Margaret with a knife, causing irreparable damage to her insides and leaving her for dead. Luckily, and I use that term loosely, Margaret's neighbour rescued her after noticing blood seeping through the ceiling of her flat. The stabbing left Margaret unable to ever bear children. It's important at this stage to bring our story back to the aforementioned Barrowland Ballroom. Now between 1968 and 1969, the Barrowland Ballroom was linked to a serial killer known simply as Bible John. Alleged to have killed three brunette women between the ages of 25 and 32, Bible John frequented the Barrowlands and met each of his three victims there. Named so for repeatedly quoting Bible verses in a taxi on his way to select his final victim in 1969, Bible John was never apprehended and to this day remains unidentified. But why am I mentioning this? Well, stick around and everything will become clear later on in the episode. In September 1971, Tobin was convicted and subsequently sent to Barlini Prison for burglary, forgery and conspiracy. Barlini, for context, 
is the largest prison in Scotland. Whilst in prison, Margaret filed for divorce, severing ties with her psychotic ex-husband. In October 1972, Tobin was released from Barlinny Prison and relocated south of the border to Brighton, southeast England. A year later, in 1973, Tobin married his second wife, a 30-year-old nurse named Sylvia Jeffries. The couple had two children together, a son and a daughter. However, the daughter unfortunately died two days after being born due to some breathing difficulties. After an initial period of charm, Tobin's fierce nature soon reared its ugly head as he violently abused Sylvia as well as their dog. One way Tobin got his sexual kicks was to simulate strangulation during intercourse. However, he would often take things too far, leaving Sylvia gasping for air and legitimately suffocating. After three years of torment, Sylvia escaped to a women's refuge with her son. A women's refuge is essentially emergency housing for women, as well as their children, who have experienced domestic violence. Now it's just important to note here as a bit of a side note that refuge is also available for men as well as women and children. If you are affected by any of the issues raised during this episode or you're experiencing domestic abuse, please visit refuge.org.uk for more information. They provide a free phone, 24-hour telephone helpline which you can call to discuss your options. I've added the website link to the episode description. And now, back to the story. In 1984, at the age of 38, Tobin is alleged to have raped an eight-year-old girl over a period of two months. They lived in the same council block in Portsmouth, another city in south-east England, which is roughly 50 miles west of Brighton. The eight-year-old victim told her parents about the ordeal, however it was decided that there was not enough evidence to proceed with the case. This decision came after the child was interviewed and examined by the police. Tobin married for a third time in 1989, this time to a 16-year-old named Kathy Wilson. It's worth noting here that Tobin was 43 years old, 27 years Kathy's senior. Once more, Tobin's initial charm soon diminished when Kathy gave birth to their son, Daniel. Using their son to control Kathy... Tobin would threaten to kill or hurt Daniel if she ever left him, even at times threatening to throw him down the stairs. Kathy was no stranger to abuse, having spent time in care as a child due to abuse she had received. She also saw her mum regularly get beaten, as well as seeing her mum have her hair set on fire. After seeking solace in Tobin, Kathy soon realised she had unknowingly offered herself up as another vulnerable victim for him to torment. The torment wasn't always physical, however. Tobin would often bring home painfully thin and malnourished prostitutes to abuse in front of Kathy. He would typically choke the prostitutes before releasing them at the last second. In 1990, Tobin moved back to Scotland with Kathy and Daniel. The location of Tobin at this point was Bathgate, a town in West Lothian. On February 10th, 1991, 15-year-old Vicky Hamilton went missing from a bus stop in Bathgate. For 11 days there was no news of Vicky, until a chef on his way to work in the centre of Edinburgh found her purse lying in a gutter. The purse was dry, and its contents were intact. 
Then, on August 3rd, 1991, 18-year-old Dina McNichol went missing after attending a music festival in Hampshire, South East England. Dina and her male friend accepted a lift home from the festival from a stranger, and after her friend was dropped off, Dina was never seen again. Every night for 10 days following her disappearance, Dina's cash card had been used in towns throughout the southeast of England, including Hove, Brighton, Portslade, Margate and Ramsgate. Both Vicky and Dina will play an important role later on in Tobin's story. In 1993, two years after the disappearance of Vicky Hamilton and Dina McNichol, Tobin moved to Hampshire. Whilst looking after Daniel one evening, Tobin invited two 13-year-old girls to his flat in Lee Park, using his son as bait. The girls were led to believe they were going to babysit Daniel. Tobin forced the girls at knife point to take amitriptyline, an antidepressant that can cause drowsiness and dizziness. Tobin then proceeded to rape one of the girls and sexually assault the other. Daniel, now four years old, interrupted Tobin at 2am. This led to Kathy receiving a call whereby she was asked to come and collect her son. Tobin explained that he was having a heart attack. He then left the flat with Daniel, but not before turning on the gas on the cooker. Astonishingly, One of the girls woke up a few hours after Tobin had left and, despite having her ankles and wrists bound, managed to call the police. BBC Crime Watch, a British TV show that reconstructs major unsolved crimes in order to gain information from the public which may assist in solving the cases, had broadcast an appeal for information about Tobin's whereabouts shortly after his disappearance. Whilst on the run... Tobin joined the Jesus Fellowship Church, a Christian community, under the alias Peter Wilson. After seeing the broadcast, which included a photo, the community alerted police of Tobin's whereabouts and he was arrested shortly after. In May 1994, Tobin was found guilty of the attacks and was sentenced to 14 years in prison. He served 10. Upon his release in 2004, Tobin moved back up to Scotland this time settling in Paisley, Renfrewshire. A year later, in 2005, Tobin was on the run once again after attacking 24-year-old Cheryl McLachlan in his flat. Cheryl's boyfriend often watched football with Tobin, and she saw no harm when invited to watch TV with him on her own. Cheryl said, I looked down the side of the seat, and there was a belt and a tie. I thought he was going to tie me up. Whilst attempting to flee, Tobin attacked Cheryl with a knife. Luckily, the extent of Cheryl's physical injuries was a cut to her hand, however she has gone on record since to explain the psychological damage caused by the incident, stating, I'm not in a good place. I don't like to think about the attack or about him if I can help it. Drink helps me blot it out. I've moved around to a lot of different houses, I don't know what I'm trying to escape. Maybe him. I had trouble sleeping after it happened and was stressed. I just couldn't cope. Cheryl visited a police station shortly after the attack whilst covered in blood. However, a search of Tobin's flat did not take place until the following day. By that time, Tobin was long gone. Police soon issued a warrant for his arrest as Tobin had moved from Paisley without notifying them, 
something which was a breach of the terms of the Violent and Sex Offender Register. In May 2006, Tobin once more changed his name, this time to Pat McLaughlin, before joining another religious community, St. Patrick's Church in Anderston, Glasgow. Using fake names was something Tobin did often from this point as he was now on the Violent and Sex Offender Register following his 1994 convictions for the rape and assault of the two 13-year-old girls in his flat. Tobin worked odd jobs for registered charity Loaves and Fishers under his new alias before committing his next atrocity. In September 2006, a 23-year-old Polish student named Angelica Kluck was staying at the clergy house of St. Patrick's Church. This is the residence of the priests. Angelica was earning a supplemental income to help finance her Scandinavian studies course at the University of Gdansk in Poland. On September 24, 2006, Angelica was last seen in the company of Tobin before being attacked in a garage. Angelica was beaten, raped and stabbed. Her body was concealed under the floorboards of the church, and forensic evidence suggests that Angelica was still alive when she was placed there. Her body was discovered five days later, on September 29, 2006. Tobin initially went missing after being interviewed by police about the disappearance of Angelica, however he was found in the National Neurology and Neurosurgery Hospital in London on September 30, 2006 a day after Angelica's body was found. During the subsequent trial, Tobin claimed that his relationship with Angelica was consensual and denied being guilty of her murder. On this occasion, unlike the alleged rape of an eight-year-old girl in 1984, the evidence worked against Tobin. His sperm was found on Angelica's underwear, his DNA was found on a kitchen cloth which had been stuffed in her mouth, his fingerprints were all over items found with her body and a pair of jeans soaked in Angelica's blood was found in a bin at St. Patrick's Church. In May 2007, Tobin was sentenced to life imprisonment to serve a minimum of 21 years for the murder of Angelica Kluch. After Tobin's arrest, police started a task force named Operation Anagram the goal was to look into the numerous aliases and movements of Tobin to attempt to identify any other rapes and murders associated with him. This is where our story comes back to Vicky Hamilton, the 15-year-old who went missing from a bus stop in 1991. Remember the purse that the chef found on his way to work that belonged to Vicky? It turns out that, when subjected to a DNA examination the purse was identified as having the DNA of Tobin's son, Daniel, on it. This led to police searching Tobin's former house in Bathgate, West Lothian, in June 2007. Many items of evidence were found, including a dagger with Vicky Hamilton's DNA still on it. In July 2007, Tobin is formally charged with the disappearance of Vicky Hamilton. After murdering Vicky, Tobin had moved hundreds of miles away to a house in Margate, a seaside town in southeast England. Shockingly, Tobin brought Vicky's body with him for the long journey and proceeded to bury Vicky in his new backyard. One of Tobin's new neighbours thought he saw him digging a hole in the garden. That hole 
was Vicky's grave. In November 2007, police searched the house in Margate, including the back garden. They found one set of partial remains buried in bin bags. The remains were bound, gagged and partially clothed. Police also found a second set of remains a week later. These belonged to the 18-year-old who went missing after attending a music festival in Hampshire on August 3rd, 1991, Dina McNichol. Dina's body was discovered in two bin bags not far from where Vicky Hamilton was buried. Tobin had drugged Dina before chopping her body in half at the waist. The details of Vicky Hamilton's death are not known, however the presence of amitriptyline was found in her body. This is the same antidepressant used on the two 13-year-old girls Tobin sexually assaulted in 1993. Police concluded that Tobin had drugged Vicky before sexually assaulting her, killing her, and cutting her body in half as he had with Dina. On December 2nd, 2008, Tobin was convicted of the murder of Vicky Hamilton. His sentence was life imprisonment to serve a minimum of 30 years. On December 14, 2009, Tobin was convicted of the murder of Dina McNichol. He received his third life sentence and a subsequent whole life order. A whole life order is a court order whereby a prisoner who has been sentenced to life imprisonment is ordered to serve that sentence without any possibility of parole or conditional release. Tobin has been linked to a number of other crimes. Susan Long was 18 when she disappeared leaving a dance hall on March 10th 1970. Her body was found the next morning. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Pamela Exel disappeared without a trace from a campsite in Norfolk, East England in August 1974. Some of Tobin's jewellery is noted as looking very similar to what Pamela was wearing the night she disappeared. Louise Kay was 18 when she disappeared after being on a night out with friends in Polegate, South East England. Her body has never been found. Nicola Payne was an 18-year-old mum when she disappeared near her parents' home in Coventry, a city in the West Midlands of England, in December 1991. Given how often Tobin changed his name and relocated, it would not be surprising if there were even more cold cases that were in fact a result of Tobin's psychopathic nature. Tobin himself has repeatedly taunted a prison psychiatrist, stating that he has killed 48 women, telling them to, quote, prove it. Remember I told you to stick around when I mentioned Bible John earlier in the episode? Well, many believe that the unidentified Bible John is in fact Peter Tobin. There are similarities between photographs of Tobin from that era and an artist's impression of Bible John. Tobin also moved from Glasgow in 1969, the same year as the killings officially ended. Another similarity is that eyewitnesses told police that the suspect had one tooth missing in his upper right area of the mouth. Dental records prove that Peter Tobin had a tooth removed around the late 1960s, so that ties in with the timeline again. Furthermore, it had been alleged that Tobin reacted violently to his victim's menstrual cycle, something which has long been suspected as the motive behind the Bible John murders. Unfortunately, due to a deterioration of the samples through poor storage, it seems like police will never be able to link Tobin's DNA to that of Bible John. On August 9th, 2012, 
Tobin was taken to Edinburgh Royal Infirmary after suffering chest pains and a suspected heart attack. In February 2016, Tobin was hospitalised once more after having a suspected stroke. Currently serving his time in Edinburgh Prison, Tobin is said to rarely leave his cell after his stroke and recent cancer diagnosis. When asked about any of the other suspected victims, Tobin simply replied, I couldn't give a fuck. That was the story of British murderer Peter Tobin. For more on British murders, please like and subscribe to my channel on social media. All the links are in the episode description. Please send your British murder case suggestions to me via social media or via email, which is britishmurderspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll cover them in future episodes if I find them interesting. And if you're enjoying British murders, please leave me a review on iTunes and Facebook. It really helps my channel grow, and it would be greatly appreciated. For now, I've been Stuart Blues. This has been British Murders. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, cheerio. Cheerio.